Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on the sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. Dr. Rocio Rosales Mesa is an intuitive energy worker, healer, and coach. She has a PhD in counseling psychology and is a Reiki master. She comes from a long line of healers and has 19 years experience in researching Chicana and Latina psychology, counseling, and 10 years of experience teaching anti-oppressive work as a psychology professor. Dr. Rosales Mesa has such a gentle delivery, but her words are strong and powerful. She speaks about how motherhood began her own healing and liberation work and talks about the ways that we can truly begin to consciously decolonize our own minds and lives. There are so many gems in this one. You're going to want to have a pen and paper ready. I know you're going to gain a lot from listening. Greetings, Dr. Rosales Mesa. Thank you so much for coming on to the Soul Mama podcast. I first came across your work through your messages as they're being shared on Instagram. And I was super inspired by the raw and honest way that you speak about really big subjects like white supremacy and colonialization and bringing this into a way that really served women of color. It was just so refreshing to me. So first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. You're welcome. And I wondered if you could just take us a little bit through the journey you've taken to get to this space with the work that you're doing now. Yeah, so it's it has been a journey. <laughs> I, um, you know, the work that I'm doing now as a conscious intuitive life coach is very recent. It's probably been a year. Um, and I first started sharing publicly on Instagram because there was a void in my life. I, um, before this, was a professor of psychology and I had been in academia for 10 years. And the last two years, I was on medical leave because I was so sick. Um, and what I say now is that spirit and ancestors took me out of that place by way of illness to get me into my, you know, step into my higher purpose. And, you know, I... I loved the work that I did as a professor. I loved working with my students, but the environment, because academia is, is a white supremacist, very conservative environment, just ended up feeling like a spiritual prison for me. And, you know, I, it finally got to a place where I just couldn't, you know, my body couldn't take it anymore. And, and you know, I got sick. And, you know, while I was on medical leave and I started to get healthier, you know, reflecting on all of my experience, I felt like all these things that I talk about and teach at the university need to be made accessible. You know, it, it, it's not right that this is only for, for people that can afford to pay college tuition. This is not right that we only talk about these things you know, in a privileged setting in higher education. And so that is how, you know, I began sharing these things uh, publicly, you know, um, and it, it was really a passion project for me that has really grown. 
Um, but it really stemmed from the inequality, you know, that, that we have in terms of access to knowledge, access to healing. Um, and that kind of put me on the path that I'm, that I'm at now. So many things you said open into so many deeper conversations, because I think a lot of the spaces that we reside in, whether it's our corporate jobs, you know, whether it's um, having to face off with authority, whether it's the school system, like all of these kind of systems are in place with an infrastructure that inherently doesn't serve us. And this has come up recently for me in the awareness of birth and the healthcare system. And I think motherhood is sometimes the first time that women of color specifically realize that, hang on a second, like I'm not being served, you know, my needs are not being served. And it starts to lift a veil on all these other spaces of where we're kind of suppressing ourselves or wearing masks or not showing up in the way that we need to. And quite often when these things show up in the body, like you say, like ill health or stress or sickness, we're then told that there's something wrong with us and it's not the system, right? And so I feel like so much of the diseases that our communities suffer from are a direct consequence of being stuck in places and systems that aren't for our health and well-being. And so I wanted to really uh, come back to you on what you did for your own personal healing. Once you came to that awareness and realized like something needed to change, what supported that restoration? Yeah, so absolutely. I agree. And I share, you know, this on Instagram all the time that it's these systems that are making us unwell. And I always educate folks to let them know, you know, don't blame yourself for, you know, the ways that, that you have survived the system. Don't blame yourself for the ways that, that you're unable to care for yourself. You know, there first needs to be an awareness and a consciousness that this is even happening. And, and, and then to realize it's, it's the systems and how do we change the systems and how do we stop participating in the systems? Right. Because that is also how they continue. We uphold them by participating in them. And um, for me, how I started, it's, it's, it started through being a mother, you know, because in, um, I became pregnant in 26, uh, 2015. And that is when my body gave out, you know, my body said, I can no longer do this thing that you're forcing yourself to do. I can no longer do this thing that is making your, your spirit shrink. That is causing you to, to force yourself to, to be someone else, to not show up as your full self as a woman of color. And my body said, I'm just going to focus on growing this baby, you know, and it was um, that that year uh, of pregnancy and giving birth to my child that the you know a whole new awareness and consciousness opened up to me, and I realized you know I have I can no longer do this thing that I'm doing because I need to be well to care for this child. Right. You know I don't want to raise a child that tolerates abuse from this system. I don't want to raise a child that is exploited by the system. You know, I don't want to raise a child as, as being, you know, a half person, you know, not being a whole person. And so really motherhood gave me the courage to finally say no to that. And it wasn't easy. You know, I think that's one thing that I want women of color and mothers of color to know is that it your healing is not going to be easy it's not going to look pretty but it is going to be worth it you know and what we need is courage to say no mm. you know and we can and we can derive that courage from our children you know there is going to be you know grieving there is going to be sadness there is going to be a death of your identity as you knew it before. You know, I really had to, to let go of that identity as a professor. Um, and, and that was hard, you know, because it was something that I had worked my whole life for. But in, in doing all that hard internal work of not, not defining myself by these systems, you know, instead defining myself through a mother 
through my ancestors, through my higher self, through serving, you know, all those things gave me the courage to, to step into sort of this new life and, and really being liberated, you know, because even though, you know, financially we may benefit by participating in those systems, spiritually we, we lose, you know? And so, um, so I absolutely think that, that, that difficult healing processes is absolutely worth it. You benefit so much more. Mm, mm, and we begin the healing, right? Like how long can we continue in a space where we're shrinking and hiding and pretending and assimilating? And that for me was exactly that kind of dawning. Like I'd known about these things before. I'd had these conversations before. I had theoretical awareness and the knowledge that we were in systems of oppression, but I felt like I was benefiting by collecting my paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And it was that sense mm-hmm. of like, well, I'm, I'm getting mine. You know, my family is going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. We're good. And, mm-hmm. and almost kind of dismissing the ongoing burden that turning up mm-hmm. in that way was having on me. And likewise yeah. to yourself, you know, becoming pregnant and actually realizing the deep spiritual and physical transition that that was like, working a nine to five job does not is not conducive to the growth of another human right and I was working in a particularly male industry as well and I just felt like what my reality is completely shifting like I'm in a different space time reality to where everyone else is and I need some support in that transition and I when I realized that there wasn't many places or people that were offering real support outside of the practical kind of like step by step of pregnancy I realized like there is a massive gap here for women who feel like me, who feel like you. Um, and mm-hmm. so what support did you draw on? You know, what stepping away was your first step, but in terms mm-hmm. of actually, you know, yielding to that healing, what, what else um, supported you? Yeah. So definitely letting go of, of that system um, and then allowing myself you know, so uh, tangibly, my mother supported me. At the time, my husband had a very flexible job. So he would step in, you know, during even like the lunch hour, which was a huge, you know, even 30 minutes or an hour is a big deal to a mama if you want to support her, you know. Um, And so that's, that is also something I want to share to the community, to the village. If you know a mother, especially a mother of color, you know, 30 minutes, an hour is huge for our wellness. And so um, my husband would would do uh, that a lot. And my mother, you know, by me sort of not participating in a system that was constrained by, by the hour, by time, you know, taking me away from my family, it allowed me to receive mm. more from my village. And so um, especially my mother was was very helpful Um, And then even for me, just sort of like decolonizing, unschooling that I can have a slower schedule, you know, I don't have to get up at a certain time. I don't have to, you know, the day doesn't always have to look the same. It's whatever is best for me and my child, you know, right. And especially as an infant, you know, um, and as a toddler, that flexibility of time is so important because it it helps the mother. It helped me be more at peace and it helped my child develop in, in the way that they needed, you know, if they were having a rough day, you know, I could be there emotionally. If, if I was not thinking of all the other things that I needed to do, if I was not, you know, in inheriting the pressure from, from society. And so I think even if there are going to be some mothers that are not going to be able to count on the village, there are going to be mothers that are single mothers. Um, And I think even just allowing yourself uh, mentally, emotionally to have your own schedule, you know, and to not define your success by the schedule of the patriarchy is, is so liberating. For, for them. 
And what you're describing there sounds like a whole unlearning of all of the things that we've been taught to believe define us and define our worth. Um, And it's really interesting to kind of feel into what that would look like on a day-to-day basis. Like what ways does your liberation practice and this conscious awareness, how does that play into how you actually parent with your daughter? Mm -hmm. How old is your daughter now? My child is, um, we, we use they, them pronouns. Yeah. So my child is three and we, they haven't yet told us their gender. And so we use they. Okay. So I refer to them as my child. They are three. So how does that play out in the kind of everyday in a way that perhaps not many people or even maybe your own examples kind of didn't set you up for? This feels like a very conscious Yes. Thing of it, this new way. And it would be really nice to speak about what that shows up as. Yeah. So one of the things that we do is I am not on a schedule. So we, I, I identify as an unschooling mom. Right. Um, we are not on a schedule, which means that every morning we just get up, you know, I get up, we co-sleep my child and I, and I just get up when they get up, you know, and that is very different <laughs> than what the majority of families do and what I used to do myself before, right? So I get up according to my work schedule, allowing myself, you know, enough time to get ready, to eat breakfast, all those things. And often, you know, all of us, <laughs> no matter where we live in the world, if we participate in this system, Um, are so rushed in the morning and we don't center ourselves in our day. We're just, you know, hurry up and get out the door. And that is what I hear from a lot of mothers is that mornings are very stressful because they're feeling the pressure to have to be at work at certain times. So it's, they have to get ready. They have to get their children ready. They have to drop them off at school and then hurry up to get to work. And so all of that, you know, time, even the institution of time, as we know it right now, it is also sort of this colonial capitalist, you know, system. And so that is something that on a day-to-day basis, I don't participate in. Um, and so we, you know, we get up when my child gets up, sometimes that's earlier, sometimes that's later. Um, and I, as, as the mother have to do the work myself, to allow that to to flow because on the one hand to me that sounds so liberating you know being able to actually prioritize your body clock and your own rhythms and your own energy and my my belief would be that you would actually sync up a little bit more with nature and sunrise and sunset in the way that our ancestors would have without these external you know our time slots that have been created um Mm -hmm. and then the other hand I'm like that's chaos. Like what if one child wakes up at this time and another (laughs) child wakes up at that time, they don't want to go to bed when you want to go to bed. Like how Mm -hmm. do you balance the, I guess the need for control, which we've been taught to, you know, attain and, and enforce on our children and that sense of yielding. How, how does that work out? Yeah. So even the concept of control, right. Is something that I, that I don't, practice in my home that I constantly am unlearning uh, because we are so ingrained because of, you know, the, the white supremacist colonial capitalist society, we are so ingrained to have control. And that itself, that concept I feel is, is where a lot of the, you know, oppression and pain starts. Right. And so as a parent, I, try as much as possible to re- to release control. And initially it, it is very anxiety provoking because it's not what we're taught to do. And my husband has a harder time with that because he still works outside of the home. I can imagine my husband would too. <laughs> yeah. He's already having those conversations with me where it's like, well, who's in control here? You know, it's like, I really work through a lot of these constructs. So I completely get that. And I'm sure a lot of men out there and women to to navigate that for themselves. It's like, there aren't many models of what that looks like, you know, and for men, yeah, not really necessarily knowing what kind of child that 
grows into, who has been raised in that sense of freedom. I think we fear that freedom leads to anarchy in a way. And it's like, but they're not going to know, you know, they're not going to know that if they, if they have this agency and this choice, it's almost like that triggers us. I've noticed. Yes. And so a lot of what we do is really just trying to get them to conform to other people's expectations. Even if for us, it's not really necessarily a big deal that they do this or don't do that. It's just like, I don't want people to feel like I'm being a bad mother because I'm allowing them to do this thing or not allowing them or not, you know? So how do you manage that as well? Yeah. So there's two things that come up with what you just shared. And one is that, you know, part of it is releasing, releasing all expectations. You know, I have to do, I have to set strong boundaries with other people, you know, and fortunately I have, you know, my mother is very respectful and honoring. She has always been of the way that I live my life. And I think that that work everything that I'm doing now is started with my mother and the way that she raised me, you know, she raised me still in, in the way that the parent is in charge, you know, just because all this is new, you know, this is a new consciousness that we're having in this generation in this space in this time. And so even though my mother raised me that way, um, she was still, you know, loved me unconditionally, you know, I believe that anything was possible to do. Um, and I could decide what I wanted to do with my life, you know? And so I feel like this is sort of a natural progression with the new information that I have now. Um, and so setting boundaries is, is very important with the people in your life, friends, family members, and tolerating. I think this is a big thing for, for women tolerating that they may not like what you're doing. They may not agree um, and being okay with that, you know, that you don't need the approval of others um, for your liberation, you know, and that in itself is liberating in so many different ways in your life. Um, and so releasing expectations, releasing control um, and really knowing that this is, the work that you're doing is the work of decolonizing, you know, it's the work of, you know, because of colonialism, we have been taught to tolerate abuse. You know, we have been taught to, to trust an authority an external source over what we intuitively know mm -hmm. and want. And so it's really restoring dignity to ourselves as, as humans, as spirits, and doing that with our children. Powerful. When we frame it like that, motherhood and parenting become such a rich opportunity because mm -hmm. the, the same journey that we're embarking in stepping into that consciousness and questioning, you know, why do I have this urge to control or what is this triggering, you know, this behavior? What is it triggering for me? Or how did I relate to how my parents raised me? Asking ourselves these questions in this intentional way and really giving yeah. space for our intuition to show up and for this inner wisdom to kind of make itself seen, I think is the work because if there's any place that that's going to be yeah. tested, it's going to be with a small human being who wants to push boundaries, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So there's sometimes when I'm like, I can feel that what I'm doing in this moment is the non-conscious way of doing this. But right now we need to get in this car and you're going to need to put on those clothes and we're going to need to, you know, and there's that sense yeah. of urgency. But then like you say, when you start to remove external pressure, I think so mm -hmm. much of what keeps us tied in is this fear of who are we without the income yes. that comes from the system or without the support or the structure or the validation that comes from the systems that we engage with. And yes. so on, on one extreme, I think it looks like, you know, living completely off grid, like like I just don't need to interact with money. I just don't need to even interact with, with any of these constructs. But you seem to be living quite a normal, I say quote unquote, modern lifestyle. Um, so yeah. in your mind, like how have you chosen what your lifestyle outside of systemic structures, what that looks like for you and your family? Yeah, so I love that you're bringing this up because, and this is sort of like what I'm, 
um, what I want also people to know is that you you can still live a modern life, you know. Um, it's it's just being continually doing the internal work so that you exist consciously and it's not going to look perfect. You know, it's not, you're not going to do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. And I always share there's times that I still get frustrated with my child. There's sometimes that I yell with my child because I feel that sense of urgency. And then it's, you know, doing this work of like apologizing and really connecting with your child and doing the internal work of like, okay, why was I feeling so upset, so frustrated? And often what it is, is I'm feel it's not me. It's that I'm feeling the, the external pressure of, of work, you know, of, you know, going, going to, you know, even the friends. Right. And so time, um, and so that that creates in me more stress, right? And so, you know, I think it's consciously every day asking yourself, you know, checking in with yourself. And this is why mindfulness is so key. Right. And why um, I think as a tool, I highly recommend to all parents is that tool of mindfulness of, you know, even deep breathing, which you can do at any time. And I practice, you know, deep breathing when I feel myself getting impatient with my child, um, you know, and, and then that allows me to be in the moment and not think of, you know, other things that are pressuring me. Um, and I share, I share those things just so folks can know it's, it's okay that you make mistakes. It's okay that you do this in, in, in a slow way, you know, the way that I do it is going to be different than the way you do it. You know, your liberation is going to be different than my liberation and it doesn't make it any less, you know, but I think that if we do this work consciously to stop um, and, and stop participating in these systems and do it, you know, maybe less and less, you know, it, it, I, I have a cell phone, I'm on the internet, you know, obviously from being on Instagram, I live in a city, these things are still possible. You know, it's just being every decision that you make uh, with your family, with your child, the way you spend your money, being conscious, you know, the way you spend your time, how am I participating in the patriarchy, right? In the colonial patriarchy. And if I notice that I'm relying on it more, how can I do it less, right? Um, so uh, even just allowing yourself to be where you are and, and, and doing that slowly, you know, and, and even that I think is very calming. Yeah, so removing this idealized version of perfection and, and making that in itself another thing that we use to kind of beat ourselves, you know, it's like okay, we're, not, we're not doing the conscious thing good enough now. Right. <laughs> it's like you cause, you're still causing yourself more stress, right? And that's what you want. You want to kind of step away from these things that cause us to feel negative and to feel this resistance. And so I, I completely understand the ongoingness and the gradualness. Yes of yes. a journey like that, especially when you think about motherhood being a lifelong commitment, mm -hmm. like it, there's going to be a constant <laughs> unfolding that is going to be happening for you and your child or children. Um, yes. And so I wondered how you engage in conversations around these big topics that a lot of people, I guess, worry about how they first introduce those to their, to their children. I know for myself, um, we've had these conversations about awareness around race and about, you know, positive self-identity and trying to reset the balance in the home with all of the positive rep representation that we have and understanding that black is beautiful. And, you know, this is where we come from and this is who our ancestors are. And these are some positive role models, for example, and this is the village. And, you know, all of these things have been conscious choices, but yeah. then I'm aware that I'm not with my child hundred percent of the time. And there is going to be times and spaces you know, especially if people are feeling like they, their children need to go into school mm -hmm. where there's going to be a direct confrontation of ideas like this, which may be unspoken. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is that unless you are a person of color, you really don't need to have these conversations. You really don't need to understand all of these nuances and about how people perceive you. And so I, I wonder how you have 
um, navigated that journey? How much do you tell your child about your work and how, how do you hope that it directly impacts them and how they show up in the world? Yeah. So, so because we unschool our child and because my child is three, I don't have the same, you know, um, issues to, to come up against as mothers that have older children or mothers that put them in the school system. Um, and, and this is the reason why I, you know, all that you brought up is the reason why I'm choosing to unschool Got you. because I, um, because I know the harm that these systems can have on children, you know, and especially, um, the school system, is still a colonial system in that, you know, there is a clear authority and there is a clear schedule and there is clear, you know, activities that are okay and not okay. And this is wrong and this is right. And you sit down and you be quiet and you learn from the adult in the room. Right. And so all of that can be, you know, very damaging to, to children. And so, that those are the reasons that I, you know, for now, and, and I always say I'm doing this now until my child decides that they do want to be a part of that. Because if I'm really about that liberation, I need to give them a choice. Yes. Um, and so that those are the reasons that I that I don't um, participate in that system. But I think in having these conversations with your children and how I do it at three years old is letting them know that they're, you know, what you want matters. You know, if you tell me something, mommy will respect what you're telling me. Papi will respect you. If you, if I'm telling you to do something and you don't want to do it, tell us and, and your voice matters. You know, <laughs> if, if we're, you know, we do walks here in my neighborhood and sometimes my child doesn't want to walk and I remind them, you know, it's important to breathe the air and let's go thank the trees and thank the plants for all they're giving us. And so I have to give them those reminders because they're children, right? And, and we do need to teach them. Um, but then there's some days they don't want to go outside. And so I say, okay, if you don't want to, that's okay. Mommy respects you. And so those things are, are building blocks Mm. to things that, you know, conversations that will happen later and larger conversations that your voice matters, what you say you want matters. And how you feel matters. Uh, how you feel matters. You as a child are not any less than an adult, mm. right? And and so there, there's all these sort of, you know, it starts, I think, at that level, very basic, but a lot can be built from there. Mm. So one of the things that's coming up for me is just how triggering and challenging that can be for cultures, um, you know, for, for people of color who've come with this expectation that well-behaved children, i.e. children who conform, children who listen and respect adults and show manners, that has become almost like a sign of how good you parent and how how much we still hold on to these um, cultural values and that other people whose children are allowed to do X, Y, and Z, that's because they've lost those, those values <laughs> yeah. and they're the ones who have problems, right? And yeah. we're holding tight to this ideal that, you know, children should be seen and not heard, really. Yeah. Um, and this plays out in various ways in different cultures. But how, how else do you feel that, you know, white oppression, almost internalized, shows up in the ways that we can unconsciously parent? Yeah. And so th this is a big one because, you know, in, in my, so I'm a Chicana, Mexican and it's a it's a huge value in our culture too, and we uh, call it being educado, right? Educated, but what that means is being well behaved, and that is like the gold star of, of children, star of like you're being a great parent exactly. if your child well behaved. Exactly. But what that means is your child is quiet. Your child does what you say, and and is does not show emotion really. You know, and so I love that that we're having, you know, this part to the conversation, because 
when I even think about that, it, it like brings so much sadness to me that that's what we do to our children and we do it unconsciously. You know, we, we sort of have just accepted this belief and this belief stems from colonialism that we had to, to survive colonialism, right? We had to control our children in that way. And we learned that control, that authority from the colonizer, you know, and what was done to our ancestors, you know, what was done to them, they did to their children to protect them from the colonizer. And so it became an act of love and, you know, in wanting your child's survival, like, you know, maybe not my generation, but I know generations before, even just our parents' generation would have had that sense of like, I'm going to beat you so that nobody else has to, because I know if a policeman gets his hands on you or another authority member gets his hands on you, you, that could be the difference between life and death. And so I will teach you in this house how to conform and and not realizing how damaging that is the individual. But is it not true that in those times, self-expression wasn't, it wasn't a thing that we could even really step into. Right. So now that we would set, consider ourselves in a space where we can step into that freedom in, in a more tangible way, we're almost like out, out of touch with what that would even be like. Like, how do we nurture that as parents? What, how can we give them permission to be free when we're still not really free ourselves? Yes, still tied right. to a job where our time is still not our own, where our bodies are still not being honored because we're going to work even though we're sick. And yet we're wanting freedom for our children. It's like a direct contradiction. And so I think some of the ways that we exercise this authority is almost in the control that we want to have over our children, because this is something that we do quote unquote own, you know, like, yes. I have power here. Whereas there may not be yeah. many other spaces that you do have that power. And so I wonder what first steps you give to parents who are kind of coming to you with this awareness that probably the ways that they've been doing things aren't working. It's not what they want to do anymore. But what, how do you just let go? Yeah. So I think it all starts from acknowledging that we do have a colonial mentality. You know, that all of this stems from colonialism, you know, that it's not that we want our children to to be well behaved, that that's not like, first of all, that's not a positive thing. It we're we're really oppressing our children when we, quote unquote, want them to behave and want them to be quiet. That is oppression. And and it stems from colonialism. So so the first thing I think is just acknowledging that that is a colonial mentality and that because of that colonial mentality we parent from fear and not from love you know and so in in the ways that I'm parenting my child what's you know in what ways is that from fear in what ways is that because I feel stressed out and largely it all comes back to that you know and so I I have to you know, first do the work myself to, to calm myself, to be grounded myself, to be centered myself, to get in touch with myself, who I am without all these Mm. identities from the world, without all, all this, uh, benefits that I receive from the world because although we may think they're benefits like a a job you know all this money it they all come at a cost and it's coming at a cost to your body to your spirit and then you're replicating that with your child you're controlling your child because you feel controlled you're oppressing your child because you feel oppressed right and so for some families you know they will still have two parents that are uh, that will have to work in the system just for survival. Um, they will have a single mother that still has to work, but it's up to the parent to start to do that healing, to really start to do that mindfulness before they interact with their children, so that they can come, you know, being at peace and and being liberated from their colonial mentality, right? And, and even seeing that 
children will be loud sometimes children will run around sometimes and that's what freedom looks like you know we're uncomfortable with that because we didn't experience that ourselves. Right. And that's what I'm stepping more and more into that awareness of. I have a daughter who is four years old and my son is one. And mm-hmm. every moment of each day, I, I question like, why, why am I responding in this way? Or why is this triggering this reaction in me? Because she mm-hmm. is, of course, living into her freedom and she's pushing all the boundaries that we've placed for her. Um, out, a, lot of, a lot of times out of love, out of protection, for her um and then realizing like actually you know this kind of sense of having the gaze of the other even when you're in your private home like I'm like in this moment what you're doing is not necessarily bad or dangerous or wrong but if anybody was to see what you were doing right now it would just not be okay and it's that it's not being able to kind of shift that gaze because we know how others would judge that behavior and if you happen to be you know one of the few people in your in your community who are stepping into this way of being, I think that really does take a lot of courage to stand firm in that and, yes. and have to not feel like you have to justify and defend all the time. Yes. Um, and those are really hard conversations because if anybody's questioning your parenthood or your mothering, that's like really deep, right? Um, because for me, it has become one of the things where I'm like, I really want to get this right. You know, this is, this is not something I can afford to to mess up or be unconscious about. Um, and so I think when we're getting into these kinds of spaces, it, I can see how deep, but also how healing yes. stepping into that journey is for, for both parents. And, and especially, you know, if there's women who are doing that alone, it's almost managing your energy as well, because it's a sense of like giving most of your time and energy away to a system that's not necessarily benefiting you or your family and then still having to show up in as good a way as you can with the reserves of energy that you have left. So I wondered if you could speak a little bit about energy and about what that grounding looks like before you interact with your child, imagining that you are still in a space where you're relying on a system for your survival. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is why I think, you know, the community that you're building and many other mothers of color are building, this is why these communities, these conversations are so important because they, they, we draw courage from each other and we draw strength from each other. And we, we sort of give each other permission to say, you know, you believe in these things I do too. And, and let's, you know, let's amplify that energy and, and let's no longer look for the approval of the colonial patriarchy. We need, let's look to ourselves, you know, and let's build each other up and our children, you know, and that is why, you know, I so love the work that you're doing because we, we need, you know, that is how we, we draw strength and courage. It's from each other. And I, you know, even though I am very firm in these beliefs, I am human. I need other mothers and I need other families. You know, we don't exist in vacuums. We need communities, even virtual communities. And that's, that's exactly what I'm realizing is that the lack of the village is almost, you know, part of the reason why we're struggling so much with that kind of transition into parenthood because this would have been the time where we would have really relied on our sisters and our aunties and our mothers and you know so many of us are living in within the model of the nuclear family or solo parenting and don't have the support of even saying I now need some space for self-care I now need some time just to balance you know for my for my own emotion um, and so I wondered if you could talk about some of the ways in the lack of the village, that we can still step into self-care and give ourselves permission to rebalance for ourselves and for our children. Yeah. So for for mothers, especially mothers of color, single mothers, working class mothers, you know, what I want them to know is your self-care doesn't have to be like where you spend money or going to a spa day or taking a vacation. Like we disconnect from self-care because it is marketed to us in a very white supremacist capitalist way you know but there are still things that we can do that are very easy so for instance you know I for me mindfulness is huge even just doing deep breathing for five minutes when I need a break from my child you know that really grounds me and centers me you know doing sort of these uh 
energy grounding uh, visualizations where I imagine myself connecting to the core of the earth and really drawing upon that energy. And I visualize myself, um, you know, getting energy from the cosmos, like all of those things connecting to source, connecting to spirit, connecting to ancestors are things that, that really help reclaim our energy and, and sort of give us that extra energy that we need. You know, we are also so tired because we are just relying on our human energy and we need to tap into our spiritual energy, knowing that we are never alone, that source spirit, God, whatever it is that you call, you know, that energy is always available to us. Our ancestors are always available to us and guiding us. And whenever I tap into that energy, that that immediately you know i have that extra i have my second wind and 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 now i even have a deeper sense of purpose to you know to you know do what i need to do with my child i it, it come it's not just you know i'm feeding my child or i'm bathing my child but it's i'm raising this next generation of ancestors and so i have to do it in in a peaceful, dignified, respectful way, because this is what I'm going to pass on to the next generation. So I think really drawing upon that. Love that so much. And I think that is the opportunity. It's like, what does, what does that look like for each of us? And you spoke about some of these visualizations, what kind of supported you in stepping into these rituals almost um, of honoring the ancestors, honoring our spiritual energy, like where did you learn that and what do you use to inspire you to those moments in your day? Yeah. So it's really, I feel like it's really a reclaiming of our ancestral culture. You know, we get so lost, you know, and so separated from this way of being through school, through our jobs. You know, we get so, you know, I think I was more connected in these ways as a child you know, as uh, my mother is an immigrant from Mexico. And so we had more rituals in the home, uh, more space for prayer, you know, just doing that. And I lost a lot of that in in getting into higher education and becoming a professor because it's just work, work, work. And how can I do more work? You know, it's, we really internalize that pressure. And so it's really, you know, leaving that allowed me to, you know, know that I have all this time, I have all this space, and now I can fill it with the things that energize me, the things that that I grew up with as a child, the things that my ancestors did, you know, and it was really, you know, starting to read, you know, about energy, about spirituality, about what my Mexica ancestors did. To, to really gather strength and gather courage, you know, and, and that's going to look differently, you know, for whatever our ancestral culture is, but they are there and those things exist. And now it's just us reclaiming that and, and giving our energy to that. And what I also want to say to families of, of young children and parents and mothers is to really take a look at your schedule. You know, what are the things that you give your energy to give your time to? And it's often things that we think are are things that are going to lead to success. But it's things that the capitalist colonial patriarchy has told us. Right. So a lot of parents have their children in like gymnastics or ballet or sports. And those are great, you know, and I will probably still do those things with my children. But like they a lot of parents do like three or five of these things with their children and no wonder you're stressed out and no wonder your children, you know, quote unquote, have tantrums and quote unquote behavioral issues because they're tired, you know? And I think the solution is doing less, not more of these things, you know, and being intentional with your schedule. What are the things that really mean the most to me as, you know, as, as a family, what are our values? How can I incorporate, you know, energy work, spirituality, 
you know, rest, not doing anything, you know, play. How can how can we incorporate that into our life so that we can all be more calm, we can all be more at peace, and we can, you know, make space for these connections with our children. And when we are more connected with our children, present with our children, there will be less chaos, you know. And when we need them to cooperate with us, you know, with my child, you know, necesito que hagas esto, I need you to do this, I need your help. You know, there will still be those moments, of course. They are more likely to cooperate with us because they feel connected to us. We are in tune. So, you know, I think in a practical way that that's what it looks like. It's it's doing less and being intentional about how you spend your time and energy. Mm, thank you. Um, it reminded me of a Gabor Mate quote where he speaks about the direct amount that you're able to be present with your child kind of shows how much you've healed your own trauma because most people don't feel comfortable in that in that intense presence we're always looking for a distraction or something to take us away and and I noticed that in myself you know even having done this work and done a lot of this reading and a lot of these practices I'm building into my life but I still notice when my daughter says can we go and play and I'm like my to-do list flashes up in my mind and I'm like but all of these things need to happen by x time like how are we going to fit this in Um, and it's really kind of realizing like that's probably how the universe is talking to us like can you come and play and actually we're too busy we're too busy being productive we're too busy trying to survive that we're not creating space and honoring our energy to even open up to the guidance that would come to us if we did and so it's a, a really beautiful reminder thank you yeah um, And so for someone who's new to this journey, is hearing this for the first time, is maybe kind of realizing that there may be a lot of things that need to change in how their day-to-day life shows up and how they're approaching motherhood. What's like the first thing that you would say to your clients that could begin them on this healing journey of this spiritual conscious path of mothering? Yeah. So the first thing is to forgive yourself, you know, and knowing that the... it is not your fault for, for, you know, engaging in maybe even harmful practices with your children, you know? So forgiving yourself for that and knowing that you just inherited, you know, abuse from the colonizer. And unfortunately, because of oppression and because our ancestors had to survive and protect you know, that their children, all of this was passed down, trauma, abuse, exploitation was passed down. And so just to forgive yourself and to have patience with yourself um, and knowing that it's going to take time and it's going to require your healing, but even just giving yourself grace and forgiveness, I think that allows us to, to, to slow down because when, when we, you know, like you said, then we want to do the conscious parenting perfectly. You know, it's like, we still are looking for that like checklist of I do this and this and this, you know? And, and so, you know, that's the message that I want to give them. It's just, it first starts with giving yourself grace and time and forgiving yourself, you know? And then when you start doing that and when you start slowing down, you know, I, th- that would be the next thing is start slowing down, start opening up your schedule, letting go of the things that you don't want to do. I think one of the things that I um, really kind of opened me up to this path is not doing the things I don't want to do anymore. You know, like if I don't want to go to an event, even if it's a family event, I don't go to it. If I, you know, feel like I have to do this thing for my business and I really don't want to do it, I don't do it, you know, and giving yourself permission to just honor your intuition. You know, if, if you don't feel like a full yes from your body and your spirit, give yourself permission, you know, and, and once you start giving yourself that permission, we start extending that to your children. Mm. So it, it starts, it starts with you. Mm. I've, I've heard that before that sense of like, if it's not a full body, yes, it's a no. 
And, yeah. and I liked that because I was like, oh, that just makes that whole kind of indecisive period just so much easier because, yeah. you know, we waste a lot of time and energy, you know, deliberating and overanalyzing things that could just be really easy because it was yeah. a kind of instinctual no. However, my question on that is, there, we are taught that actually if we were left to our own devices, and this comes up again in the way that we parent, that we wouldn't do the things that were beneficial to us in the long term. We would always go for short-term comfort. And so if you're asking yourself, like, how do I feel right now? Like, yeah, I might want to rest, but I might want to rest like every day. Um, and mm. then like, there's a sense of like, well, if I don't ever push myself or go against this feeling to want to just be in this comfort zone, then I'll never achieve or or get the yeah. results that are that are kind of worthy of my higher calling or my purpose. At some point, yeah. we have to do things that we don't want to do or that feel hard. How do you navigate that balance between following intuition and going with what your body wants and what your energy wants and actually pushing against that sometimes to do what feels like it's the best thing for the long-term vision? Yeah. So what I, what I hear in that, and, and this, this has come up before with other people, what, when I hear things like that, what I hear is fear. And we have been so conditioned to live in fear and do things out of fear that it's just second nature to us. And I think what I, I don't believe that, that those things are true. You know, we actually, First, we will probably do more resting because our bodies are tired. Yeah. Our mm -hmm. minds are tired from the, the ways that we've inherited these systems. So initially, yeah, we'll, we'll probably do more resting. But then there will come a time that you will need something. And this is what happened to me. This is how this work started. I did the resting. I started healing. I became healthier. And then I, I wanted to do some work. I wanted to connect with other people. I wanted to share the things that I, that I knew, you know, I wanted to share my expertise. And so I, and I think that will happen with everyone because that is just who we are. We want to contribute to our society. Mm -hmm. We want to serve. We want to do our part for the, the greater good. And so there, you know, I, because I believe in serving, because I believe in my work, because I believe in our collective liberation and healing those are the things that that motivate me when I'm tired sometimes you know and that's just the the reality for some mothers is that we're often going to be tired because we're raising humans and and that is just comes with it um but even though I'm tired I I still want to do those things and I'm still motivated to do those mm. things and so you know I think it's our, our intuition and our, our spirit will still come through. And that's why I say, listen to your body and your spirit. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes our body will be tired, but there are these things that are, that are part of our soul's calling that, that won't allow us to rest because it is our greater purpose. So what you're saying is, is that by slowing down, by stepping away from these systems, by yielding into more faith and stepping away from fear and really kind of getting quiet, we can actually start to hear the things, the bigger vision, the bigger picture that's actually calling us. Yes. And that will yes. in turn be the thing that energizes us and motivates us despite our physical tiredness, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What is that vision for you? What is your mission, your purpose as you see it right now? So my work in general, I say, is decolonial liberation work to really wake us up to the ways that, that we unknowingly, unconsciously have accepted things that are harmful to us. And then specifically working with women of color and mothers of color so that they, you know, can step into this intuitive power so that they can remove these emotional and mental blocks. You know, what does that fear look like for them that is not allowing them to show up as their full self, that is not allowing them to step into their higher purpose? That I feel is, is part of my mission is now that I have sort of like awakened to being liberated, I want to get more mothers and, and more women of color because of the system. We shrink ourselves, we doubt ourselves, right? We, we internalize all of these oppressive messages. And so really when I close my eyes and think about my work, it's like 
having all of these women open up and like their, their hands extended and receiving, you know, from spirit to really give in a way that serves them and serves their children. So it's really, you know, I, I see all of these women of color standing confidently, standing with their arms wide out and giving and receiving as much as that they give and in a way that makes us all liberated and that makes us all well. That is a beautiful point. And so for those who are listening, who want to follow on with your work and connect with you outside of this conversation, where would be the best place for them to find you? Yeah, so I am uh, largely on Instagram at Dr. Rosales Mesa, and we have a big community there that is invested and absolutely believes in this work. So if you yourself feel called to do this, I would um, invite you to join our community there. Um, And I'm also, I recently started a Patreon, which is uh, the way that you can work with me now. And I do um, question uh, and answer lives uh, through there and uh, group coaching for women of color, for mothers of color. Uh, In the future, I will be doing um, individual and group coaching uh, but right now I'm doing um, Patreon. And so if you have any more questions that come up, you know, you're wanting some coaching around the things that we're discussing. Um, I am on Patreon and I made my work very accessible for you can join for $8 or $12 if you want to be a part of the group coaching to continue these deeper conversations. So I invite you all um, to, to be a part of that family. Thank you, Dr. Rosales Mesa. And I do really appreciate um, the step that that takes to actually make that your resources and your knowledge and your time accessible in terms of financial investment. Mm -hmm. Because what I have found is that we often step into these um, careers like coaching, for example, and then we like remodel or mimic the, the, the things that we haven't been able to actually benefit from, like you know, actually making really unaccessible prices mm-hmm. because this is now the coaching model. And it, it, to me, it just kind of devalues the whole integrity of the work Yeah, because we're being told to have these like high money mindsets, mm-hmm. but actually it means that you're only working with people of privilege. Yes. And so the message and the work doesn't go to the people who necessarily need it. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for finding a way to make that in a way that still serves you and your family, but can still reach and be accessible to so many others. So I do definitely implore anybody who is interested to follow Dr. Rosales Mesa on Instagram and on Patreon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's so important for me to make the work accessible. And and then I will have the coaching packages that are, you know, at higher end for the folks that can afford it or that are going to work towards making that investment. Um, Because as women of color, we need work that is sustainable, you know, and, and we shouldn't feel ashamed for charging our worth, you know, but it's about creating that balance. How can I make this work sustainable for me and my family? And so doing that at, at the rate that I'm worth, but also making myself available, my time, my energy, my expertise, so that we can all access this knowledge. I think that you can do both. Definitely. And that's something I'm learning as we speak. And so I really thank you for stepping into that example of what that can actually look like. I thank you so much for the work that you are doing, for the messages that you are spreading, and for your own commitment to this path for yourself, for your children, and for other mothers. It's been an honor to speak with you today. You've shared so many gems and things that have provoked my own remembering um, of why I've got into this work and why I do the work that I do with mothers. And so together and with others, I pray that that starts to manifest and be created. Yes. Amen. And it, it, so it is. And it's already happening. It is. It is. And thank you for being a part of that. Yes. Thank you. And I'm so honored that to be here with you and share with all the other mothers listening. And, and, you know, I, I want us to know that we already have what we need and yeah. it's just that stepping into that ourselves, believing in ourselves. There's anything else that you'd like to leave our mothers with? 
I am with you. I am standing with you. I believe you. We are on this journey together. It's okay that sometimes we don't do it perfectly, that we get it wrong. And, you know, giving ourselves grace is, is so important. We have those bad days. We have those days that we're tired and that doesn't make you a bad mother. You are doing, you know, exactly what you need to be doing. If you're a part of, you know, this community, you believe in this. And I know that you're doing great work. And now it's just giving yourself grace to step into that. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I know we could continue. Um, yes. <laughs> I will leave you for today. Thank you for joining the Soul Mama Conversation. Thank you so much. Next week, I'll be speaking to Olivia Bowens, also known as Her Holistic Path, about how having two unplanned pregnancies as a young woman changed her life's course and the path of awakening she's been on ever since, both personally and in her work as a doula. Until then, stay blessed. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to soulmamajourney.com for more resources and ways I can support you on your own conscious motherhood journey. For more inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at soulmamacoach. Also get in touch via email through nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I love to hear from you, what you thought, what you gained. Please take a moment to rate this podcast wherever you've listened to it. And please share with others you know who would benefit from this conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you. This podcast was produced by myself and Chris James. Music by my talented friend, Ayana Witter-Johnson. Johnson.